Please join me in welcoming Dewan Lightfoot, Senior Cloud Networking Developer Advocate at AWS to the show. Dewan, thanks for joining me. Hey, what's up, John? Thanks for having me. So, Dewan, we had a chance to meet in person at AWS reInvent 2022, and I have to put in the 2022 in there just because you never know when people are going to be watching this. We actually met at one of the breakfasts, and you and I hit it off right away. And I was like, dude, I got to have this guy on my show. This is pretty cool. It's an honor. Um, that was my first reInvent. So, you know, the fact that we hit it off and we're able to connect now, you know, just shows how great it is to go to these events and meet people. So yeah. thanks, John. You can't miss these in-person events. Now, everybody, today we're talking about cloud networking and really how to make the transition from a traditional network engineer to a cloud engineer. And if we have some time, we're going to talk about advancing your cloud networking engineer expertise along with your cloud career and branding. But we've got a huge amount of topic to talk about networking. And Dewan, I have to tell you, networking, it, it, while it's not near and dear to my heart, I know it's a necessity for any type of technical expertise. Correct. Um, it, it can be a challenge for some people to pick up, but I think once you get the basis of some of the fundamentals, like IP addressing, DNS, how things oh. connect at layer one, layer two. IP know, addressing. Makes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we had to go there. But I know. <laughs> Listen, we could have a whole entire show on it. I probably still would not understand it. Thank God AWS takes care of a lot of that automatically. Dewan, before we jump to our topic, how about you get everybody a little bit of backstory on who you are? Yes. Hello. Like John mentioned, my name is Dewan Lightfoot. I am a senior developer advocate at AWS focused on cloud networking. My background is kind of widespread. I've been a system administrator. I've been a network engineer. And most re recently, I made the transition to developer advocate due to learning network automation and getting integrated with DevOps. Dewan networking. Why networking? I like connecting things. I like connecting computers <laughs> and I like connecting people. So it just kind of all came together. <laughs> I like connecting Legos, but I didn't become a professional. <laughs> I'm just kidding. First of all, I got, I'm going to give you a little bit of a story and it's going to be a real quick one. Networking is very key. I started out as a traditional server admin and networking by far, every time I couldn't get something to work or communicate, I was always like, yo, network folks, it's not working. They're like, did you try pinging the internal gateway? Did you try the loopback? Did you actually plug in the cable? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> That, that's a great point. Just knowing some of those fundamentals can make your job a lot easier. But I think the networking in the cloud is kind of simplifying some of those troubleshooting steps that we used to have to do on premises. So I'm interested to get into this discussion. Hey, this looks like a good place to jump in and talk about today's sponsor, Veeam. How would you like to own, control, and protect your data in the cloud? Are you using Salesforce? Veeam has you covered with Veeam Backup for Salesforce backing up your Salesforce data effortlessly, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. Honestly, why wouldn't you back up your most critical CRM data from loss or corruption? Now imagine your sales team coming in and not be able to recover all their information, their notes, their pipeline, because it's the one thing you didn't think you needed to back up. How about doing it effortlessly with being backup for Salesforce? Well, are there nine reasons that you should back up your Salesforce data? How about just two, data loss and data corruption? Veeam Backup for Salesforce eliminates the risk of you losing your data and metadata 
due to human error, integration, or other Salesforce data loss scenarios? Check out Veeam Backup for Salesforce today. Now, how about we get you back to that podcast? So, Dewan, I want to jump into things, but how about we give people an overview? What is a VPC from AWS? So when you think of a VPC, a VPC allows you to provision a logically isolated section of the AWS cloud where you can launch resources into a network that you you define. It's similar to your on-premise data center. You know, in your data center, you have IP addressing, you have route tables, you have subnets, you have your network topologies, you have your route tables and security rules and firewalls. All of that is in your data center. You can configure this inside of a VPC. So is it safe to say that within AWS, a VPC as not only a network or a cloud engineer, I need to understand it a little bit more than my on-premise where I can just either rack a server and connect it or spin up a VM. And I don't really have to understand how everything communicates from a server admin perspective because my network team typically handles it. You have to understand the VPC and the network constructs of the VPC, as well as the AWS global infrastructure when it comes to the regions and availability zones. Think of your region as a geographical location around the world where we cluster data centers. And those clusters of data centers are availability zones. We have 31 regions and 99 availability zones. Why is this important? Because when your employer or your business is building or designing their applications, they're going to want to build their applications as close to their customers. So one region that we have is US East 1. Another region that we have is US West 2. One is on the East Coast, one is on the West Coast. And so now, how do you get connectivity between the two? If there's VPC in both of those regions, you'll need to understand the foundational um, principles of AWS networking to make that happen. Okay, before we dive really deep into this, do you want to break down the components of just a traditional VPC within AWS? Yes, the components of a basic traditional VPC, let's think of the default VPC. Whenever you create an account in AWS, you are introduced to or given a default VPC. That VPC is going to have a CIDR block, which is going to be the IP address range for the entire VPC. And that's usually going to be 172.31.0.0/16. And so that'll give you about 65,000 IP addresses within that VPC CIDR block. Now, then you have subnets. Those subnets are going to be attached to an availability zone. Depending on how many availability zones you have in the region, that subnet will be per availability zone. So one thing I didn't mention is that when it comes to a VPC, a VPC is a regional construct. So that means your VPC is going to span all availability zones within the single region, but it's only going to be um, in that one region. The next thing we need to understand when we talk about subnets is going to be your route tables. Your route tables can have multiple subnets associated with it, but a subnet can only be associated with a single route table. Now, your route table is going to be those rules to say, um, how does how does your EC2 instance talk to the internet or how does your EC2 instance talk to VPC B rather than VPC A? Gotcha. The next, the next thing we can talk about is going to be your internet gateways or your IGWs. This is what's going to pr provide that internet connectivity for you to talk to your servers that are either on-prem or on the internet. Dewan, let's talk networking from an on-premise perspective and then really how that translates to cloud. Because in my opinion, I think 
having hands on actually a physical server or understanding the networking components on how things go in within the OS really helps you not only on premise, but also in the cloud. Yes. Um, so my traditional start was like you connecting servers, building servers and um, deploying them in on premise infrastructures. One of the things that I learned during that time is how things connect at layer one. Um, you often hear, is it plugged in? So that means is it powered on? It is the cable plugged into the computer. So when we're talking about, is it plugged in? That's understanding the OSI model. And so when we're at layer one, that's the physical layer. And then from there, we go up to that data link layer, which is going to be a network in a car. So when you talk about pinging the loop back, do you have communication at layer two, which is also leads into layer three, which is going to be that IP address and all that network layer. And then from there, we start troubleshooting ports with firewalls, and we're just kind of going up to the stack till yep. we get to that server and that application. So when we're talking on-premise networking, this is understanding how we go from our computer to that web server that may be on the internet. Understanding layers from one to seven, I think is very critical. Uh, CompTIA has a really cool, and I, actually, I, I took the Network Plus way back then, and that will date me on when that came <laughs> out. But I find that very important to understand the whole communication path because then you can troubleshoot each and every step. Let's talk about just the basics of networking from on-premise. I mean, physically plugging in that cable and seeing those link lights work, whether it's on the network card or on the switch is actually for me, like step one, is my cable working? Was it crimped correctly or was it faulty? Because that's a lot of the issues that we run into. Correct, correct. When we're on, let's say, a corporate network, one of the IP addresses that everyone should know is 8.8.8, which is a Google DNS server. You and use so, that too? <laughs> yes, everyone that's, uses that. <laughs> because that's one of the 13 root DNS servers. It's very critical for, I do 4.4, uh, 4, 4.4.4 or 8.8.8, all that, but very critical. Yes. And so when we're talking about connectivity, um, one of the challenges of being a network engineer is understanding how to troubleshoot from the laptop to the customer's destination. So do you have the source IP address, which is going to be the laptop and the destination IP address, which could be that physical server. Now this is traditional networking from point A to point B communication. That's often changed when we start talking about ephemeral connections with application networking and containers. But just from a, a basic on-premise standpoint, when we're Talking about that connectivity and that troubleshooting, there's a couple of things you need to understand. One is IP addressing. The second thing you need to understand is DNS. Because sometimes the problem isn't always the network. Sometimes is the DNS is the domain registered, is the host name configured in DNS, is the right DNS can, 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 can the right DNS con configuration on the local um, desktop or laptop. How is this all configured? Is the IP address configured correctly in the host record that's in DNS? So being able to understand how this connectivity works at a basic level, then we can start talking about the, the routing at with BGP, with EIGRP, which is gonna be your interior, exterior gateway protocols when you route across the internet and on-premises. Dewan, you actually jumped on it and talked about a lot of those protocols that are working, but those are traditionally on-premise. You don't have to deal with that when you go to the cloud. Now, we're not going to talk cloud in a general uh, jumping to it, but if you think about it, in a traditional sense, an enterprise that's been established a while, 
you are a server admin and they still have that silo effect as much as they want to yes. do and put everybody into the groups, which is great because when you come to cloud, you are the network admin, you are the server admin, you have to understand all those components. On an on-premise, you have that siloed where the server admin goes, oh, it's not working. Now I got to go put in a ticket for the network engineer. And when he gets to that, it could be a day or two before he takes a look at it and troubleshoots it. And you need to get your work done. So now you're delayed. Right. But isn't that critical to understand that maybe you as a server admin can troubleshoot a lot of those steps and present those results to a server admin? And then we'll talk about what it looks like in the cloud. Right. As a server admin, you should understand and know what your DNS IP addresses are on-premises, right? You should know how to configure that on your either Linux box or Windows system. You should know that. You should be able to troubleshoot the default gateway. The, do you have a DHCP IP address or do you have a static IP address? Is that configured correctly? Is it in the right range a subnet of the default gateway? These are all basic troubleshooting steps that you should be able to do on your local system. Now, we haven't even gotten into like an IPAM, which is your uh, IP address management system that a lot of enterprises have on premises. Yep. AWS does integrate with them. So you can actually manage those as you get uh, further along the system. We haven't even touched on DNS uh, fully. DNS is very critical. So Duana, as you were indicating, not only having a DHCP address, uh, the domain, is it configurable? Does your you know unit or your server understand what that IP address? But you know routing. Now I need to figure out: Do I have a right route to communicate? Every subnet needs a route to communicate with another subnet that's in there. If it's not available, it needs to have go there. There's automation involved. I mean, there's just so many components to a network to understand. How does somebody from on premise take those to the cloud to even understand those? Do those? Uh, transfer do this translate to on to cloud. Yeah, you, you made a great great point when we started talking about those um, server server admins and the developers. Um, I've worked with some really smart developers that can troubleshoot from point A to point B. They'll they'll say, hey, I tried to ping this, it didn't work, so I ran the trace route and it's stopping here. And then they'll also do TCP dumps on the local Linux box and send me the PCAPs to let me know actually what's going on um, on the local system, what they're seeing, are ports open? Um, one of the commands that I used to always run is um, netcat, which is NC hyphen ZV and then the IP address and port number of the remote system that you're trying to connect to, to verify if that port is open. And so you can also do that trace route to say, okay, I'm getting to the device, I can ping the device, and now I'm verifying that the port is not either open on the system or that port is being blocked in the firewall. So understanding those communication from that layer one up to layer four, all the way to your application, which is usually managed by the developers, um, can really help you when you're making that transition to the cloud. How difficult is it for a server admin? I'm talking about a traditional on-premise server admin who has uh, maybe some or limited cloud experience to take that to the cloud. And now they need to understand not only their job as a server admin, so managing anything, but also understand the network components. I think it's, I don't want to say it's easier, it's different, right? Because when you think about layer one and layer two, in the cloud, those are something you don't have to deal with. You don't have to physically connect servers in the cloud. You don't have to worry about broadcast domains in the cloud. That's not something we have to um, know about. So at that at that level, um, 
I would say we we can remove that portion and just focus on that networking stack up when it comes to building networks and learning cloud networking on AWS or whatever cloud provider you're working with. I find it critical to understand a VPC and all the components, all the subnets and all the routes within AWS. And once you understand that and how they communicate, and I think, so AWS provides a number of ways to create a VPC. You can use the wizard, right? You just want to get up and get started and get running. But I think everybody should manually configure their own VPC. And I mean, create it, the subnets, the IP addresses that go with it, the routes, uh, if you want a gateway or not. I think if you understand all those, then use the wizard. And the reason I say that is because when something is removed from a VPC that you automatically created versus manually created, you have to go and troubleshoot and understand how they communicate. Just my opinion on that. Yeah, I don't know if you've been into created a VPC in the console lately, but there's actually like a flow chart to let you yep. know, um, okay, I want to create a VPC. You can either create only a VPC or you can create a VPC with all the resources and the resources being um, the subnets that you desire, the yep. VPC endpoints, the routing um, for private or public subnets along with the NAT gateway and things like that. Okay, so let's talk about IP addresses. And how critical is it for you to understand an IP address, the subnets and everything since AWS does a lot of that automatically for you versus on-premise? It does a lot for you. Um, but when we're talking about IP addresses, knowing the size of your, of your VPC, the largest you can have is, let's say, a slash 16. The smallest that you can have is a slash 28, which only gives you about 16 IP addresses within a VPC. Knowing, okay, if I have a slash 28 here, and then I have, let's say, a slash 27 here, and the IP addresses, will they overlap if I try to do VPC pairing? So you have to understand when you're actually configuring your devices to know when I'm trying to communicate to destination, from destination A to destination B, and maybe I'm using VPC pairing or a transit gateway, which is your hub and spoke for your VPCs. Is those, will the communication happen or will there be an issue because of IP address overlap? And the same goes whenever you're connecting services. Um, so that's something to always just keep in mind the basics with the IP address overlap and knowing uh, where your default gateway, which kind of is inherent because there's a lot of DHCP that happens in the VPC. So a lot of that is already done for you. So the more the main thing is going to be your communication to knowing um, VPC pairing and connecting your VPCs. Uh, especially when you select an IP address range and you you carve it out. And that's usually <laughs> networking terms. I'm not a networking engineer, but I talk to so <laughs> many of them when they say, I'm going to carve you out a subnet for it or I'll call yes. you. Uh, and when they configure it, knowing how big or how your subnets are going to be is actually critical in a couple of use cases. One of yes. those is obviously the overlap, uh, you know, peering for expanding, right? You need to expand it. You're going to add more servers. What about auto scaling? It's um, IP addressing is always going to be um, something you have to think about. With auto scaling, um, you're going to have to have IP addresses available for that as well. In that range, when you expand and contract your uh, your auto scaling groups, you're going to need IP addresses for that as well. Now, does AWS allow you to expand your subnet? Right. So you created a VPC. Can you expand uh, or increase the size of your network? With, with the VPC, you can. 
So you can add an additional VPC solder block to your VPC. Yep. And then from there, you have to create a new subnet. Nice. I, I like that. So that's that came out, I'm going to have to say five years ago, maybe a little less than that. I, I ran into an issue where I did, needed to increase it because I made it too small. We were actually, we were carving it a little too small. Uh, IP addressing and what we joked about originally. So real quick, everybody, I'm talking with Dewan Lightfoot and we're talking about cloud networking and how to make that transition from a traditional networking engineer to a cloud engineer. Now, a network engineer that goes to the cloud, if you think about that, you're that's not really going to be your only role. You're going to have to understand a lot of the things that come into the uh, the environment, not only the VPC, the routes, uh, subnets, uh, peering, gateways, uh, tr uh, what's it, uh, transitional gateways. There's so many that are involved in so many things for community and, and additional counts. Actually, you know what, Dawn, I'm going to jump to that subject. And what about connecting accounts together for communication, like your dev and your prod, which you should never do, uh, but to <laughs> maybe a shared account? Right. So there's a couple of things. We do have VPC sharing, which allows you to share those subnets between VPCs. Um, you can also use VPC pairing. Another one is going to be a transit gateways. Yeah. So Dewan, what about DNS? Uh, I'll tell you what, and I'll give you an, another fun little story. I, I, I do all the DNS for myself, for my own website. Yes, it's hosted in Route 53 because it's very easy, simple, and allows me to do it. It tells me when I make a mistake, <laughs> except for when I took my website down. I took away the C name and I shouldn't have for my oh, CDN. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't realize I could have added another one to the line. Totally new mistake. I hate DNS, by the way, because <laughs> I understand it enough to get it done, but I always break some. So I broke my website for about 24 hours. So glad it wasn't uh, highly active at the time. How yeah. critical is DNS to understand from on-premise to the cloud? Is that a clear transition in understanding or is there a lot to learn? Um, just understanding the basics of DNS. Um, on AWS, we have Route 53, which is um, the service that we use to manage DNS on AWS. And with Route 53, you had a concept of public hosted zones and private hosted zones. Think of your public hosted zones as those zones that will be internet facing. Your private hosted zones will be exclusive to your VPCs. So if you think about it from on-prem, on-prem you can create um, a DNS zone that's gonna be a internal to your on-premise environment. So a lot of times you may have a DNS zone that you don't want public facing, but you want to be able to use DNS on premise to communicate to all the computers that are in the, within that environment, rather than using IP addresses because uh, um, IP addresses are kind of hard to remember. But you can remember um, host one dot Amazon dot com. That's something uh, we all can remember, right? And yep. so when it comes to doing this in the cloud, through that we use Route fifty three to manage DNS. I actually like the internal DNS management uh, that really comes in handy if you're using like Active Directory and you want the servers to be able to communicate or you want to set uh, different DNS servers to Active Directory or use micro, uh, not Microsoft, uh, AWS's directory services. So uh, you can use those instead of a regular traditional AD environment uh, right. and which will create those DNS servers automatically for you that you can point towards. Now, Dewan, I'm going to pivot just a little bit and talk about security groups, right? We're talking about networking and the routes that are in place. How critical is it from a 
traditional networking engineer to understand the security groups for VPCs versus instances? When it comes to security groups, security groups are going to be the firewall for those ENIs to say what can talk to a elastic network interface, whether it's assigned, attached to an EC2 instance or a load balancer. Okay. What about dealing with uh, not only some of the access and uh, communications like uh, firewall rules for your subnet or for your route, like block, uh, site or block, a deny or allow access? Uh, that's going to be your network access control list. Those are going to be your subnet boundary or your VPC boundary for your VPC. Okay, so you're talking about NACLs versus security group. And uh, just to give everybody kind of a clear thing, NACLs protect your VPC, security groups protect your ENI or your instance that you can talk to. Correct, Duan? Correct, correct. And the the security groups are stateful and the um, NACLs are going to be stateless, meaning that if you put a rule in one direction allow, to allow the return traffic, you got to put a rule in that direction as well. Yes, thank you so much for that clarification. So, Dewan, let's also talk about what makes a subnet public versus private. <laughs> you know what? I, I talk to people about this when I first getting started with AWS, and this can come off as confusing, but this is it's really simple. The difference between a public subnet and a private subnet is that a public subnet has a uh, associated with a route table that has a route to an internet gateway. So it has a route to the internet. And you can also communicate with through the internet gateway to talk to that those instances that are in that subnet. Rather than a private subnet, it will not have a route to an internet gateway, but it may have a route to a NAT gateway. But you won't be able to talk from the internet through the NAT gateway, so it's kind of private. So it uses NAT to communicate out to the, the internet. So if you need to update your instances or update your databases, you can do that in a private subnet and there'll be behind that NAT gateway. So AWS offers two types of managed NAT gateway or a NAT gateway instance, which you manage and spins up. I like the manage because they handle the scaling of it automatically. Correct. If your traffic increases, it increases versus down. You don't have to do anything. And I always suggest going with the managed services because why would you want to manage more devices, right? <laughs> Same for internet gateway. They're both yep. um, horizontally scaled. So yep. depending on your traffic domains, they'll scale to meet those demands. So I need an internet gateway and, or and a NAT gateway in order to communicate to the internet or one versus the other? The the internet, the NAT, if you have a NAT gateway, you'll need an internet gateway because it uses the traffic still flows through the internet gateway. Okay. So with the NAT gateway, you're utilizing it for private subnets, right? They'll communicate to the NAT. That will Correct. be basically the blocker for it. And then the NAT will communicate to the internet gateway. If you want something to communicate like a web server directly to the internet and internet gateway. Correct. All right. So Dewan, let's talk about reInvent a little bit. There were a couple of things released during reInvent. One of them, I need help understanding Amazon <laughs> VPC Lattice. Can you educate me on what it is, what it does? Yeah. So VPC Lattice gives you the ability to simplify that service to service security, connectivity, and monitoring. Basically, when applications communicate with each, each other, oftentimes you will have to do VPC pairing, a transit gateway, or something to make those applications talk. And then you have to worry about things like IP address overlapping, security, monitoring of that um, the, for latency across that connectivity from service to service. What VPC Lattice does is it allows you to create your service, 
and then create a service network, assign policies for that service network to say what can talk to what, and then have your service directory for the services that will be a part of that service to service communication. So is it like a single place to configure and monitor communications versus me having to manage each and individual route overlap DNS? Correct. It, it, it's um, a managed service. So therefore, you don't have to do the VPC parent. You don't have to do the transit gateway, uh, the monitoring. Everything is done through VPC ladders. Okay. We just talked about utilizing managed services. I think this is another additional ad because when it came out, I think it really wasn't clear as to the value of it on how you would utilize it. But now that it's been out and uh, it's able to actually be utilized. Uh, it's, so Dewan, is it in preview or is it out publicly? It's currently in preview. I okay. believe it goes GA um, later on this year. Yeah, that's typically how things flow. I'm thinking probably around the March timeframe as people get used to it and they right. update a little more. Have you had a chance to play with it or actually build a couple of things, any of the customers that you can share some insights that you feel the value of it without I, disclosing anything? <laughs> I just got access. As soon as I really <laughs> dive in it, I, I will come back and we can that's talk right. about it. <laughs> so Dewan, we'll put you on the spot for a future follow-up podcast to yes. talk about VPC Lattice and the value of it behind the customers. Okay, let's jump over to verified access. This was also talked about. What is verified access? Verified access enables customers to provide that secure access to those corporate applications that they would otherwise have to use VPN or be on the corporate network to connect to. So normally when you want to connect to your corporate network, you will use VPN, connect to your VPN, then you're on the corporate network, or you will be in the office to be able to connect to those applications that are built by your internal teams. What verified access does is it allows you to connect to those services without the need through VPN, simply use a, a browser, and then you can connect to those services. So it's like a single sign-on verified access auto authentication or... It, it utilizes the single sign-on zero trust principles. Um, and it, it kind of simplifies that process. With single sign-on, when you actually use that, you log in the single sign-on, then you pick the application that you want to select. This puts you directly to that application. Okay. So it's a straight, it's one less stop, basically. It makes it simplified. Simplifies it, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, simplified, verified access. That's too many <laughs> I'd, uh, for it. Yeah. Okay. We won't, we won't go. Uh, more information. I'll share a couple of links on verified access. And I want to switch our gears and talk about not only as a network uh, you know, admin, somebody that's on-premise that wants to gain their experience in cloud and make that transition to cloud, or if you're in cloud and looking to enhance your knowledge, what's out there for me to get started? There's a ton of things. Um, can we kind of break this down in, let's say, five steps? I'm going to count you on those five steps. Are you ready? Count me on those five steps. <laughs> okay, okay. You got to call out step one. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, step one. <laughs> What is the cloud? Learn about what the cloud is. There's an AWS white paper that breaks down what the cloud is, what's the benefits of the cloud, the different types of cloud platforms that are out there. And then it talks about the AWS services so you can break down what type of services are um, good for compute, like EC2 instances, or what are your networking services like the Amazon VPC? Um, how do you utilize DNS on AWS? Well, Route 53. So this white paper kind of goes over all those services Although we have 200 plus services, there are some core principles to learning AWS and that white paper will help get you started. 
I think understanding the basic services, when I say the basic services, I'm talking storage and yep. all their types of storage available to you, not only S3, EBS, uh, understanding EC2 instances and the different variation of types that are available. Just go through the white papers or even browse over to the product page and understand it. Uh, networking is another key thing. I think if you understand the basics, and I, I think there's less than five basics that I would kind of recommend, yep. and you can't count me out on those because I only <laughs> named three just to start. <laughs> but, oh, and RDS, you know, you definitely have to understand, and Database. IAM, right? So once you yep. have all those in place, I, I actually just did five, right? Like that, that's pretty good. <laughs> if I think if you understand all of those, everything else is kind of builds on top of it. Yeah. Correct. So once you understand the basics, understand how they work together and how they solve customer problems. So, All right. So everybody, real quick, I just want to tell you that we're speaking with Dewan Lightfoot, a senior cloud networking developer advocate at AWS. And we're talking about not only cloud networking and how to make that transition, but advancing your career in networking and cloud. So Dewan, we are on step number two. Step number two, you need some good resources. Um, the first resource I recommend is going to be AWS Well Architected Labs. They're free. There's a ton of labs on this website. You go through those labs, um, kind of get started, get introduced to AWS, learn about the six pillars, of the, the Well Architect framework on AWS, kind of walks you through that. So I will start there. And then as well as the AWS free tier, understand the services that are free to you and free to use for one year and free to use forever. I will go through that. And Wait, is that step? Are we still on step two? Yes, or those is are that... two resources. Okay, so, okay. That's... Yes, two resources. And, and the two resources is going to be the Well Architected Labs and the AWS Free Tier. So going okay. through that. I agree with you, the labs. I think that is something that is not well known. I've shared it out a couple of times. If you go through the labs and utilize the free tier in order to do the labs, you will gain so much. There's also some hands-on uh, in a lot of cases, like the upskills, the skills environments, there's so many learning and training that's available to you provided by AWS. Uh, I will, I think I have a fifth one, a sixth one for you, and I'm not going to spoil it. Now I'm going to add a sixth <laughs> step into this because it goes on to all this. Let's move on to step three. Okay. Step three is going to be create your AWS account. Um, now that you have your resources, you know what the cloud is, you got an understanding of the AWS with the, um, the overview of the AWS white paper, you moved on to finding some lab resources, you understand the free tour, now you're gonna create your account and start utilizing those labs. I'm gonna tack on and add a subsection to step three. When you create your account, the very first few things you need to do is watch some cost optimization videos, yes. uh, <laughs> create your budgets, Feeling add your curve, <laughs> yes. turn on all this stuff. <laughs> the reason that you do this is because you're gonna work on a lab and then you're gonna watch something build and you're gonna go do something else and forget it. Yes. I literally just had one of my budget alerts go off yesterday and I, I, I was like, oh crap, this could have been bad. And thank yes. goodness that I configured it. Do me a favor, step three, A or B, configure all your resources, budget alerts, look in the description below or follow along with us. We'll give you some great tips. All right, let's move on to step four. Yes, and step three, B, turn oh. off your resources when you're done. <laughs> that, that goes in the step. That's like A.1 or something. It's called an instant scheduler, by the way. AWS has it and supports it, not using it, turn it off, decommission it. If not, yes. the alerts are gonna go off. <laughs> awesome. All right. Step four is going to be certifications. 
Um, if you're getting started with the cloud, you're learning the, all these new skills, why not get a certification that's to help add to your resume, improve your skills, validate and help you get interviews. Yeah. So I recommend the first one to do, there's a cloud practitioner, right? So yeah. that's the basic understanding of cloud. After you do some of this training, you should go through this one. You should go through it. Uh, it's a nice one to kind of get started and get your feet wet. Afterwards, if you're in the server admin type role and you're sticking there, sysops, and then obviously the solution architect pad. If you're a developer, sysops. And the reason I mentioned that is because you are a developer and you will be handling some of this, go to the developer engineering uh, for that. There's also specialty ones. Yeah. What specialty one? Yeah. <laughs> so I was leading you to that. <laughs> yes, the networking specialty. Um, the, the, the exam just changed back in October. I passed it pretty good. Exam. Hey, congratulations. Yes, yes. It's thanks. a difficult, I failed it twice. It, it is a difficult exam. It's a challenge. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I didn't. I failed it twice. I learned so much. I went through the it, book. I, the failure brought me to the next step. Yeah, the, the biggest challenge for me in that exam, exam is how long it is, how much you have to read and the amount of time that you have it. Like you really have to focus to take that exam. It's not yep. one of those exams you can just look, okay, the answer is this. No, you have to read, understand what they're asking, uh, what they're requesting and what, and then also read the answers to see if it in, aligns with the question is being asked. So yep. yeah, it's a tough exam. I agree with you. Okay, certification step four, step five. Step five, we're on AWS build something, whether it's a website, whether it's launching an EC2 instance into a VPC, whether it's creating a VPC in one region, creating another VPC in another region and making services talk or in the same region and pairing those VPCs together or using the transit gateway, build something on AWS so you can learn and apply, take the things that you learn and apply your skills in real time with gaining some lab experience. I think that's very critical. Think about it. You put your BPC together, put an instance, put another one, have them talk to each other. They yes. can't talk, troubleshoot it. Also, yes. maybe spin up another VPC or another account that you can utilize. Remember, you have free tier. Each account holds free tier. Make sure yes. you turn on those budgets and alerts, by the way, and turn stuff off. But put a period in place. Do a build a transit gateway. There's so many articles and stuff out there. I agree with you. Nothing beats hands-on. Nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. So build okay. on, right? Build on AWS. <laughs> Great point. Now, one, one more thing I want to mention. I know I said five steps. Um, I'm hosting a live stream on the AWS Church channel every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time where we talk about job roles in the cloud. So now that you're learning about the cloud, you may be interested in what a a cloud support engineer does at AWS or a technical account manager does at AWS. Every Friday, I interview a different pair of AWS professionals and we talk about what they actually do, what the day-to-day -day is like. And you can actually tune in live and ask questions through Twitch chat. So, Awesome. That's okay. That's not step six because step six. that that's a <laughs> shout out to some of the things that you're doing hosting on twitch do you know realize uh you know content creating around not only in advocating for networking but also sharing out what other roles do that's something that's not going strictly towards your networking career but helps you understand some of the roles within aws i'm glad you do that uh it's definitely more needed what's happening out in the world with all, everything going on understanding and knowing the roles that are available and if this is the the right role for you is very critical. Thanks. 
All right. So, Dewan, I have a step six that I want to add on, and I think you're okay. going to agree with me. <laughs> it's called community, mm. right? Yes. Get involved in the community. Start going to user groups, meetups, connect with people on LinkedIn, ask a bunch of questions, Reddit, AWS, repost has information. Uh, there's a number of uh, websites out there. There are so many people like Dewan that are advocating for the services and stuff that you utilize. If he doesn't feel that this is the right fit, he'll tell you it's not the right fit. He's there for you along with yes. every Amazonian that's out there. But then there are AWS community. There's builders, there's heroes, all those enjoy what they do and share all this information for you. I got to ask you, what's your thoughts on community? Um, we were going to talk about another topic as well. So if we go into it, I'll talk about it there as well. But when it comes to community, you mentioned heroes, you mentioned community builders. Another thing I want to add to it is user groups. User yes. groups is a great yep. opportunity to network with professionals, to take what you learn, to be able to present what you learn, to get feedback from people that are actually doing it, to finding a mentor. I went to a user group last week and presented, and I met some amazing people from all over the DMV area. And I think for me, I'm at least trying to go to a meetup once a month because yep. it's, a, it's a great opportunity just to network. And meet people. I agree. I was actually to two meetups last month. Actually, we're still in January. By the time this comes out, it'll be February. <laughs> but I went to two. I had a speaking engagement at one, and I absolutely was so energized after speaking and going to them. I'm going to make an uh, effort that once a month that I am there. And speaking of our other topic that's going to tag on to it is branding, correct? We want to talk about branding? Yes, what, branding. Uh, I think we were going to talk about ways to advance your career. Brandy? Yes. So I think they go together. So advancing your career, branding, and everything that we talked about kind of all rolls up into one because uh, in order to advance your career, one of the steps that you indicated was certifications and hands-on and training and advance yeah. your career within networking and getting out there socially. I think this whole entire uh, topic and subject for the podcast comes together and really highlights some of the things that are out there. Let's talk about, so Dewan, let's talk about how do you advance your career in any of this? Yeah, I, I got five steps for that too. Wait, <laughs> five steps. Are you, I so I know, I, I, <laughs> I know a couple of uh, people that I interview that love things in threes. Huge shout out to Sandy Carter, but she's a threes person. Are you a everything in fives? I'm an everything in steps person. <laughs> so if it's five steps, 10 steps, let me know, okay. How to get there. Now, of course, there's not always going to be a straight line. Sometimes you have to pivot. But if yep. I just know the fundamental tools that I need to um, succeed a chat, accomplish a task, yep. that's, what I, that's what I'm looking for. All right. I'm counting you out on these. Let's go at step one. Okay. So when it comes to advancing your career, one thing that's important, whether you're in IT, whether you're not in IT, whether you're in the cloud or out of the cloud, is going to be projects. If you're a developer, write code. Put it on GitHub. If you're a cloud engineer, what are you learning? Write a blog post, put it on the internet. If you're in a job role, what projects can you own? I'm reading right now Jocko Willick Extreme Ownership. Own a project, own that project. And as well, if you can't own a project, be a part of the project and add value to the project. And then know your role in that project so you can speak to it on your resume as well as in an interview. 
So the so Dewan's talking about the AWS interview, the loop process. And one of the things part of the interview, a little tips and tricks, is you have to be very precise on your role and your contribution to the role. Don't say it's okay not to say we. You can say I because they want to know your exact stuff. Okay, Dewan, step two. Step two, something we already talked about certifications, but in this, in this instance, when we talk about advancing your career, when we talk about branding, go for the higher certifications. Entry-level certifications are great, but if you really want to stand out, you really want to advance your career and set yourself apart, go for those higher-level certifications, but not just get the certification, take the knowledge and be able to apply it, be able to speak to an interviewer and apply it on the job. So basically don't hunt for the certifications, but actually invest the time in learning and educate yourself on the certifications. He's talking about the training that is out there. Everything that's available, learn it. And Dewan indicated it. Apply the knowledge. Build on. Build on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next step. The next step, it may be the hardest of all these, and that's find a mentor. Um, I believe that you can do a lot of this on your own. But if you know someone that is, let's say, a cloud network engineer, and that's where you want to be, find that person talk to them, take them out to lunch and just build a relationship with them to see, okay, how did they get to where they are? What is their current job role like? Um, what advice do they have for you? And that'll kind of help, help you follow the breadcrumbs to get in that role. Now, I think so many people out there are willing to be a mentor to everyone else. You just have to take the moment to ask. If they don't have the time, it's all right for them to say no, because actually it's one of the things I advise people on, say no when you can't, uh, it, it makes you a strong person, but they will direct you to another one. Go to a community group, right? And yeah. you'll find mentors there. Start following, start asking questions. You will never know who will actually become a mentor of yours. And you'll be like, wow, I can't believe they said yes. This guy. And we all want to give back. I'm mentoring people along the way as well. Same here, same here. Um I think, and this can be controversial to some people, I believe a mentor isn't always someone that you meet personally, right? Yeah. I believe we have mentors through books. We have mentors through videos. We have mentors through podcasts. So find those people that are doing what you want to do, have the knowledge that you're looking for, and follow them and soak up that knowledge. And if you can, send an email, send an IM, whatever you can to reach out to them and get your questions answered. All right. I agree. Uh, What step are we on? We're on four? Step four. Yes. All right. Um, Step four, take on more challenging tasks. I believe that in job roles, sometimes we can be in a position and we get comfortable, right? That hard ticket to come in on Friday at 4 p.m. We may not want to work that ticket. We may leave that for someone else and we go to the easier, we call it cherry picking tickets. (laughs) You know, um, rather than doing that, take in those hard tickets and work through them. Um, everything that we're talking about with networking comes from having that foundational knowledge. And it's kind of like software development, iteration, small steps, break it down, that complicated issue, whether it's Kubernetes, whether it's <laughs> configuring VPCs across regions, whatever it is, can you ping? Break down those, those complicated tasks into those small steps, those small iterations, build up your foundation and take the challenge of doing those hard things because those hard things are going to be where you get the most growth. Get comfortable getting uncomfortable, basically, yeah. right? Basically, yes. Uh, all right, so moving on to step five. Um, this is something you mentioned when you were talking about the user groups and the community builders and the heroes. Grow your network. 
we are like in the best time to be in IT right now. Yep. I think when it comes to the, over this last year, I met people like yourself, John. I met people from Africa. I met people from from Australia. I met people all over the world that are doing some amazing things and are passionate about helping others. And it's just, for me, being in IT over 20 years, I'm more happier to be in IT today than I was yesterday because every day it just seems to get better. So put yourself out there, do those projects, work on certifications, share it out on social media, give back when you can give back and grow your network to help others and connect with others. There's no reason that we can't be globally connected and still be able to share out content. That once was a thing where it was very hard, but now the way social networks are, you can be connected with anybody around the world and communicate and collaborate with them. Yes, for sure. Uh, Where you at, John? Where you uh, at right I'm in Pennsylvania, man. Okay, and I'm in Virginia. <laughs> See, so, well, we're kind of close, but we're still communicating. <laughs> you know what? We should have drove down and did this in person. <laughs> Uh, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. <laughs> I, I've got some plans for this year. So stay tuned. We're going to be doing a lot of in-person events and podcasts and recordings. The way things are happening, it's going to be progressing. I think you and I have set ourselves up for a podcast number two later this year. Okay. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Just let me know when, where, and I'll be there. Oh, awesome. So Dewan, <laughs> before I wrap things up, how can people get a hold of you? How can they reach out to you? On social media, you can contact me at Lab Every Day on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Dewan Lightfoot. Um, and that's how you find me. All right. Awesome. Dewan, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. And thank you all for viewing this video. I want to say one, one thing that I didn't mention about advancing your career is that believing yourself. When we talk that about doing those hard things, when we talk about putting yourself out there, you may look at someone else and see their great accomplishments, but you can do the same thing. Just stay committed, believe in yourself, put in the work and never give up. Wow. You just echoed my same result that I posted on Twitter, I think yesterday or the other day where somebody said, you know, you've got five words or something that you can use. And I was like, believe in yourself. I don't know if that's five right of there, but something around that is just believe in yourself, your capabilities, and you can do it. Yeah. And nobody sees the stuff underwater on what you're trying to do and they see everything on top and how you know you're progressing, but it's hard work. And those who put in the hard work know it's worth it. Agree. Facts. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh Duan, thank you once again. This has been awesome. Yes, this has been awesome. Thanks for having me, John. All right, everybody, Duan Lightfoot, Senior Cloud Networking Developer Advocate at AWS. We were talking about cloud networking and how to make the transition from not only networking engineer to cloud engineer, advancing your career and branding. And we had multiple five steps, well, six steps, however you want to count them. But this has been a pleasure, everybody. My name has been John Meyer. Thank you for joining the John Meyer podcast. And guess what, folks? Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify. You thought I was going to end it right there, but guess what? We're out of here. <laughs>